Hi, all. Welcome. It is Wednesday Night Generational Change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And my God, how many different things can happen all at once? We have a lot of things. We really do. We have a lot of things. I mean, he was just scrambling, changing the headlines at the last minute because he's got like new stuff he wants to talk about. I, my, I, my mind doesn't work that fast. Like I'm still processing yesterday and the day before's news. Like I don't not, uh, listen. I, I I do. Here's my routine, and I'm turning forty very shortly. Eat right, exercise, and try yeah. to get a reasonable night's sleep. If you can do those things, life could actually be okay, even if you're working yourself ragged, which I am doing right now. After the long day that I had, and I'm thinking, oh, I still got a podcast. Okay, I'm, and see, for me, advice from an over fifty year old is no is Pilates and cannabis. Well, whatever. That's, going, that's right? what, I, look, people, they say to me, you look great. I'm like, Pilates and cannabis. And uh, honestly, it, it just, it's been working. It's been working for me. So the, we'll, we'll start with obviously the big news. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., RFK Jr., Bobby Kennedy Jr. Announced his candidacy for the president of the United States today. Uh, I think most people would agree uh, we really don't have to touch upon, um, obviously, the other candidate, Marianne Williamson. We know for sure that Bobby Kennedy Jr. is definitely going to be causing a stir. God, how, he really looks like them. How do we know that this is going to cause a stir? Very simply, we have insiders within the political establishment who assured us that when it was an opportunity to work for Marianne, it was of no consequence. But if you think you're going to go work for Bobby Kennedy Jr., oh, no, you're not doing that without consequence. And why would they say that? Because clearly they know that he is capable of creating some momentum that's dangerous to the establishment. Now, of course, the big argument is going to be that he's an anti-vaxxer. To what degree, I can't say because I don't follow him that closely. And to what I would say, uh, really, that's the hill you want to die on in terms of who, who might be the best person to win in a race. Like, really? As if that person's going to get in and then just say, no vaccines for everybody. Again, when people get hung up on one did it with Yang. Mm -hmm. Like when people get hung up on one issue, it's so funny. Okay, let's just throw them out then. Forget it. Forget all things. We don't agree with him on that. As if somebody's going to get into office and just be like, make it their way or the highway. I don't know. I just think that that's so interesting. The fact whether or not he's an anti-vaxxer, if you want to maybe consider that as part of your big, vast amounts of consideration as to who to vote for for president. Great. Now, if you were considering to see him as a physician, then that would be maybe something you would want to consider more seriously, his position on vaccinations. I just, to me, the idea of that being in effect is to somebody being the president is ludicrous. <laughs> Double K, uh, again, he's clearly out there. There's no question. He's I don't know anything else about him. But we're going to play a quick video, his intro. It's, it's obviously, it's... Uh, yeah, well, now that's another issue. See, I now See, that's, that's the thing. thing. Seriously, <laughs> if you're not going to be on board with Medicare for All, then who the hell cares? I'm not, by any means, people, I'm not defending him. I really don't know anything about him. I'm simply saying that that one issue is not sufficient for well, me to discount someone. Let's hear what Mr. Kennedy had to say in his announcement today, because I think we all uh, should hear what he has He really to say. looks like them. Yeah, he does. I've come here today to announce my candidacy for the Democratic nomination for President of the United States. 
I, my mission over the next 18 months of this campaign and over my, throughout my presidency will be to end the corrupt merger of state and corporate power that is threatening now. is threatening now to impose a new kind of corporate feudalism on our country, to commoditize our children, our Purple Mountain's majesty, to poison our, our children and our people with, with chemicals and pharmaceutical drugs, to strip mine our assets, to hollow out the middle class and keep us in a constant state of war. So it sounds like he's anti-war. And I was just saying, you know, if I was presented with a candidate that was both anti-vax and anti-war, yeah, the anti-war stance is infinitely more important to me. Um, that's something. I, and again, I didn't think he sounded very good. I think he sounded kind of very older than he is and weak sounding, which to me is not it's not good. He doesn't, yeah. he's not commanding. He sounded very kind of frail to me, which is not. Yeah, it, well, he's not the type of person who has the type of personality or the dynamicism <clears throat> in order to attract, let's say, thousands of people to a rally, get them going. But what he will be able to do yeah. is raise money. He will. That Kennedy name is no joke. He's going to be able to, he could raise, uh, he could probably raise $25, $50 million. I don't think it's impossible. You know, it, it, depends they, on how serious his campaign point is. point is the Kennedys have very connected people. Like, look, there's money there. That's yeah. what it is. There's money there. So could he run a, a viable race regardless of whether or not he's a great candidate? Yes, because he'll have money. And that'll take you very far, even with a shitty candidate. It, it, it does. Look, how many people did we have in the Democratic Party like, like, that were able to do it because of money where there was nothing else about them? No, it's a very good point. Uh, I am. And I don't dislike him. I don't have any. Right now, <laughs> there's nobody that's beating anybody on the right. So I don't feel like, you know what? My husband ha used to always have snakes. Like when we met, he had snakes. And he would go and he would have to buy rats to bring home and feed the snakes. And the first, when we first started dating, he would always say, don't name the food. Don't name them. Like, don't attack. Like, they would come on these little cute little rats and these little things. And I would, like, build little nests for them. And he'd be like, don't name the food because by the next day, they're gone. And that's how I feel about learning the names and the backgrounds of the Democratic primary candidates. I, there's no need to name the food. None of these people are going anywhere. If somebody actually presented themselves that I thought was, wow, maybe, then we can name the food. Until then, I don't feel the need to do due diligence research on any of these candidates because none of them stand a chance of beating anybody on the right. So why name the food? That's my point. Yeah, we're not in a good place right now. Um, the Democratic Party just doesn't want to take a clue that no matter how bad they think things are going to get on the right between Trump and DeSantis and whoever else chooses to get in, Hazel Hutchinson, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Possibly Chris Sununu, governor of New Hampshire, who is pretty popular. I'll give him that. Um, Rick Scott. God forbid. Uh, <laughs> you know, right now, you just have to look at it as it's almost like 
it's like a it's like a fumble situation. It's like they're trying to throw the ball away, and they're going to get to a point where you know it's it's like the other side is going to just try to. It's going to be so. It's 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 going to be so repulsive to the average person. Like God, I don't want to vote for anybody, and so that's where the question of does the possibility of either a third party candidate, an independent candidate of some kind. We're looking at you, Mark Cuban. Yeah, I know. That's what everybody keeps Well, and or Jesse. Everyone knows, like, I'd be very gung ho, Jesse. Well, the body should certainly be. I love Jesse. He could very well do it. So, of course, uh, I'm getting, and uh, we are always getting a little concerned with our supposed guest this evening, Danny Scherzer, who's supposed to be here almost five, seven minutes ago um, and hasn't responded that there was any issue. Uh, I, Sometimes things happen. They do, but then again, you would expect them to say something. So. Again, sometimes things happen. They do. Some um, people. So, bottom line, uh, as far as RFK is concerned, again, is it really going to go anywhere? Not likely, uh, but he is a Kennedy. Uh, he has some interesting policies. Uh, and it, we'll see what happens. Double K, what happens when Trump runs third? Party? I don't think that that'll ha- I don't think he'll get to that. I think he'll win. I think he's going to win the nomination. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think up until as, as for all of his flaws, up until DeSantis deciding to sign the six week abortion ban, I thought he was sitting pretty. But that decision that is it. so devastatingly incorrect. It's basically a, it's basically an abortion. ban, And no, it, it is. An abortion ban. It's an abortion. People really do not understand. Do you know what six weeks pregnant is? Because people don't understand. Six weeks gestation is actually. Thank you, Doug. Six weeks gestation is actually four weeks pregnant. Okay. Because when you count gestation, it starts at the beginning of a woman's menstrual cycle. So Mm -hmm. you're already two. You are four weeks. Most people don't even know they're pregnant. So yes, that's a ban. That's a ban. And I'm willing to bet that probably the overwhelming majority of abortions that do take place are between the weeks of 6 and 15. I wouldn't doubt for a second that that's probably the sweet spot. Hence why the initial ban was 15 weeks. And now they want to cut it to 6. Why? Because this is the closest they can get without saying you can't get an abortion. Why? Because they can. That's why. Because they can. So they did. Now, the fact that he signed it was surprising to me in a sense that politically it's a terrible move. You, 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 you then put he puts himself in the same category as like Mike Pence as far as, you know, the extreme in terms of candidates that people would support in that party. So I and really he really just opened the door for Trump to really lean into that. He did. Um, and, and, you know, he's leaning into it with the Medicaid. Yeah. Which is interesting. Again, Trump loves to play fake populist. He loves, and he does it really well. He really does it well. And it's amazing that he could still do it well, even though he specifically didn't do those things the first time, but yet saying people are going to kind of fall for it again, I guess. But yeah, he does fake populism. I don't really think it's a question of them falling for it again. I think what it really just comes down to is people are so desperate that they're like, you would think that people's level of desperation and anger in 2016 was like, F it, I'll vote for Trump. I don't know what I'm getting. You now know what Trump is. Right. And now you're going to vote for him again. If that doesn't tell you how effed we are as a nation, 
Well, and here's the thing. Now, I wouldn't vote for him. That's not my my thing. Um, But I understand that it's not like there's better options. And as far as him running third party, what third party would it be that has ballot access that would have him be on their ticket? Like, what would, how would that go? Um, You know, you, how would that go? I don't know. Like you really need an infrastructure because if it was just a matter of him deciding, oh, I'll run third party, then Jesse could do it. And we know that that's just not something that's very tenable. You have to have you have to have ballot you access. You have to have a plan, and that's why the most curious case is going to be Andrew Yang's forward party and whether or not they're going to have ballot access because that is the one financially, you know, uh, flushed with cash party that is going to be able to do something in that regard. The Green Party does have ballot access. The Libertarian Party has ballot access. But the yeah. fact is, it's almost like, it really doesn't matter what party it is. As long as you're able to run a 50-state strategy and you have the name that can be viable, if you have that, it really doesn't matter if it's the Green Party or the Libertarian Party. You make it your own. So, now, Double K, you ain't seen nothing yet, right? Matern- you're right. Maternal mortality is like at, it's like a highest. We have like the highest maternal mortality in the entire developed world. Like It's really right. bad, and it's going to get so much worse. It's going to get so much worse and it's going to get so much worse in some places really fast because you're going to start seeing all, and it has been happening. There are women that are having miscarriages that are not being allowed to have DNCs and are being forced to take that home with them. There are women that are having ectopic pregnancies and the doctors won't do uh, uh, an abortion on them. And so they're forced to wait until it ruptures. This is what we're, this is what is happening. This is what's happening. So if we thought our maternal mortality rates were high, oh, it's going to it's going to get really bad. And we all know that it's going to predominantly affect like the vulnerable communities. Black women have it even their maternal mortality rate here is ridiculous. Um, and yeah. So obviously another very interesting story. And again, we're going to play it like we're going to be solo tonight. So with that said, Uh, A lot of you are probably very well aware of what happened with Fox News, News Corporation, Rupert Murdoch's Megaopoly Corporation. Uh, They were sued in court by Dominion. Uh, They do, you know, they diebold. Yeah, they do vote. They're a voting machine corporation. Uh, I don't believe in voting machines. It should be handmarked paper ballots, but I digress. So if you're going to be yeah, stealing, another for-profit industry we've mm, created about something that should just be part of our government. But absolutely. Okay. We digress. And so, of course, if you're going to have this nonsense all day, every day about how the election was totally rigged, they totally stole it from me. And believe me, I can prove it. Remember when I won in Pennsylvania, we won big there. We crushed there. Georgia, we crushed. It's like, again, this is the whole up is down, left is right, all of that. And this is to me, Maggie you, Double K. K. You're the best. You know, to me, you you look at this and you say, "Are you willing to go over the cliff with Trump when he loses his mind?" And in this case, Fox News was willing to do it and willing to go on TV and say the Dominion voting machines were rigged, that they swung votes. Remember, this is one of the things. But they had no evidence, right? It's not like there's any journalism or reporting happening, correct? These were just claims. Like, it wasn't like there was an investigation. I don't watch this. This I don't watch Fox. Well, what this is to me is it's very reminiscent. This is the parallel 
And maybe this is also the smarter play on term, in terms of the liberals, in terms of who they have in their corner, in terms of who's advising them in terms of the language that they say. Because remember, the very common theme that was being used immediately after the 2016 election, because remember, Trump was just doing this in response to what the Democrats did to him in 2016. The Russians rigged the election for Donald Trump. So when they were confronted with the question of, so what you're saying is, did the Russians, the, the Russians, did they the flip Russians. votes? Did they flip votes in the voting machines? And that's where the Democrats stopped. They weren't willing to go there because they know what they were saying was bullshit. And that if they got caught saying that they were flipping votes in the voting machines legally, they would be faced with the same shit right now that they could sue MSNBC and CNN for. So it's a libel suit. It's a libel suit. Okay. I mean, I wasn't really following it, but I, and I also did, it wasn't aware of any of the story. I mean, I remember it at the time, but I, I don't, I had no idea if they had any real information. I never really thought about it, you know, because for all I know, there very well could be. It's not like, it's not like that concept of that happening, not by Russians necessarily per se, no, but the but idea of being hacked and th that's extremely realistic. Like I, that doesn't at all surprise me. Correct, but you also have to be able to prove it. Now, it again, isn't the Russians. Do I think that it's very possible that the voting machines are messed with? Is it been shown that the voting machines yeah. do, uh, that there are issues with the voting machines, particularly in places like Chicago? Yes. It's always been known that there are certain places where they- Interestingly, do, a lot of blue places. Ballot, uh, ballot harvesting is what it's called. A ballot stuffing is the same. It's the same- We have that here. Use. Um, are they counting votes in, on a weighted system? That was, as, as it was shown to me at the 2016 People's Convention in Philadelphia, that the way that they were counting votes with the Chicago voting machines was 1.1 for Hillary and 0.9 for Bernie. That very slight shift in the vote. That's all. Is that possible? That's all it takes. And maybe it wasn't detected. And sometimes it takes a whistleblower that's on the inside that knows what's going but on. But that's not what happened here with Fox. No. Okay. So that's that's the thing. Okay. Saying was that they were trying to just go right along with exactly what was being said was that this was great. So I think the best video that we could play is probably Yahoo Finance, which just deals with. Fox News faces potential shareholder lawsuit after settling with Dominion for $787 million because this is where the whole, this is where the money can get very serious. Uh, well, actually, you want, You this think one, this will affect Rupert Murdoch getting married for the fifth time? Five times? Yeah, he's getting married for the fifth time. All right, so... At 92. Let's see, which would be the best... I really thought him and Jerry were meant for eternity. Oh, really? <laughs> You know what I'm going to play? We're going to play our friends in Aussie land and see how they covered this, because I think we're going to get an honest response from anybody. It's probably going to be that because you want to hear from somebody who's not in the country who can probably give you like. The Do we get the accent and everything? Of course. Oh, of course. oh no, it's Tucker. No. no. OK. OK. All right. All right. So this is. I don't need to hear Tucker. No. Tucker. 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 No. <laughs> so here is ABC News in Australia covering the Dominion lawsuit against Fox. This will be interesting. Welcome to Tucker Carlson. Coverage like this has cost Fox dearly. The real point is that fraud took place. These polls weren't, they weren't scientific. Dominion machines helped count the votes in the 2020 presidential election. But as the result became clear, 
Fox broadcast false allegations that Dominion was involved in a plot to steal the election from Donald Trump. Switch votes, foreign or Democratic Party influence, secret tampering. The company sued for defamation, but to avoid trial, Fox is paying up. Today's settlement of $787,500,000 represents vindication and accountability. Lies have consequences. In February, a stunning trove of internal communications revealed that Fox chair Rupert Murdoch and Fox hosts privately acknowledged the vote-rigging claims were false, but allowed them to be aired anyway. Today's settlement spares the network the embarrassment of having some of its best-known figures called to the witness stand. In a statement, Fox Corp acknowledged the court's rulings, finding certain claims about Dominion to be false, but it did not apologise. The legal battles aren't over for Fox regarding lies about the 2020 election. Election technology company Smartmatic has launched a lawsuit similar to Dominion's, but it's asking for an even bigger figure, more than $4 billion. Even for a company as big as Fox, today's payout will hurt, but the damage to its reputation could prove even more costly. Carrington Clark, ABC News, Wilmington, Delaware. Well, that was interesting. I did actually really appreciate the Aussie version of, yes. of the news. Like, why not? We should actually, every time we show a clip, we should use a different country. Well, frankly, the way I see very it, we should definitely use other countries' news sources because they don't have the for-profit motive that we have. It's not the same. They're there to deliver the news. Just give us the facts, Jack. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, they have, I mean, I know they have like media personalities and they have that in other countries, but um, I was just looking at something recently that was talking about um, public funding, public funding for media. And we are like the lowest yeah. and that, and that's the, that's one of the biggest problems. And Metalopoly, you're a little late because we brought this up and I specifically mentioned that Trump's elections rigged you stop what about is, is a us? direct result of the of hillary and everybody immediately after trump won said oh it's the russians the yeah. russians allowed to get in and when the question was they put forth, the they never ever crossed that line that the rubicon of saying yeah they rigged the election but they in, they insinuated correct if they had to say oh they totally did this they totally did that and yes, I do agree that there is a corporate, not everyone thinks there's a liberal bias. No, there's a corporate, corporate liberal bias. bias in this country. <laughs> and so by extension, they're going to say that, oh, the Russians totally rigged the election for Trump. But what they were saying, which is why Dominion was successfully able to sue them, they were saying that Dominion flipped the votes. That they the, the tabulation of the votes is illegal. That that's wrong. Right. They were they were specific. They specifically called out something that would be cr criminal. Now, as I would say to people back in 2017, 2018, when they're like, "Oh, Trump is totally legitimate. He didn't win. He didn't do this. He didn't do that." And I would say, "Did they rig the voting machines?" They would never cross that line. That's where it stopped. Right. So and Fox was willing to go there. Correct. So they crossed Stupid. over into the libel zone. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was really more. We by no means think that, oh, they are the, the means of the problem. But they were, you know what? Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. They crossed the line and they went over the libel line. And as is, the it's always, just that as is always been the point with Trump in particular, as it, was, as it relates to 
the older, comfortable, suburbanite, liberal, urban-dwelling liberal, for many of them, they were psychologically traumatized by Trump. Oh, no, no, no. We, they, people still have Trump derangement syndrome. I still, there's people all the time that have. Like, and the Trump fact that it happened at the expense of Hillary Clinton, like you add that into the mix, like psychological trauma is very real for them. It's so just, they were convincing themselves in their mind that Hillary didn't really lose. This is a level of privilege that's just fascinating to me. If really that is something that could bother you that much, well, when your life, your life must be so freaking perfect. I mean, really, if you can be that deranged about like, a per- like, yeah, I think that you get a hobby. I don't know. I think that that's just kind of I like. A, I, and, and I will. And, and I agree. And I definitely agree. It, that the the whole premise of this is that Dominion wanted to get paid. They don't really care whether or not this ultimately amounts to any type of a, um, you know, an epiphany moment for Fox News for News Corp. That's not what's going to happen. No, clearly that wasn't what it was about. Clearly they just wanted some money. Yeah. But this should tell you just how corrupt the system really is, because ultimately this just comes down to whether or not they can make a quick buck. Because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for their payday. And if they can get their hands on it, they're going to do it by any means necessary. If the dollar signs say that, yeah, just agree with Trump that the election was right, blah, 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 and go right over the edge with him. If the ratings are that good, because that's what it is with Trump, he's a ratings bonanza. He is the, you know, the the car that's on fire on the highway and everybody has to stop and stare at. And that's how it's going to be. And it's only going to get worse. And after. But what's interesting is that people will make this. well, they're just going after them because they're the Republican channel versus why aren't they going after MSNBC or CNN? Like they're going to make it be like it's a political thing when it's a libel suit. Big dumb animal. We love you. Thank you. Don't ever know who you are. Don't ever see you. You big chat. dumb animal. Yeah, you big dumb animal. So, Get- but I, but I honestly, that's what this is. This isn't a political witch hunt. It's a libel suit. They crossed the line. They crossed the line. And that is the problem. Yes. I actually, here's the thing, like, I actually do know this, how it works. Like, that's just, it isn't, it isn't political. Are you a lawyer? I was actually saying just from going to J school. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about being, as a lawyer, I was thinking more in terms of a journalism perspective. They crossed the line. No, they did cross the line. And that's the bottom line. Now, they're obviously going to get a financial hit of a significant proportion. But here's the little trick that a lot of you don't know about. As it turns out, they are going to be able to write this off to the (laughs) tune of over $213 million. So for those of you who, well, let's keep it score. Right. Well, right. It's like oligarchs, 3,522,000 versus us, like three. <laughs> if you need more proof. That so it's the government. Is... Well, so we're going to, so the government's going to basically bail them out. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? Of course they are. And I know that we don't all buy, we, us as MMT supporters don't buy into the taxpayer theory, but yet the government is us. And so its resources are us. And the idea that our resources in general would go to that is infuriating. And not only that, but you also have to keep in mind is that this kind of money is so significant, they're almost going to not even really take a financial hit from this. Because Metalopoly, we talked about that. That is true. Those machines are subject to hacking. Yeah. Again, yeah. Fox took it too far, obviously, where they crossed the line into libel and called out a specific company and didn't just say some generic thing. Yeah. Stop being defensive about like Fox. It's not about that. 
Yeah, you got to. We get it. The machines can be hacked for sure. If you're not out there, and this is the thing, if you're not out there advocating for hand-marked paper ballots, then what's the point? You're just spinning your wheels. Again, there's always a solution to pretty much every problem. And by the way, so here, we actually do have hand-marked paper ballots, Mm -hmm. but they get slid in and counted by a machine, and a recount gets done by the same machine. They still don't hand count them. Actually, so no. the, I think hand, I think when did that hand, start? Because well, they've run them through when when Sheila and and Dale were in their congressional primary race when they had to do a recount. That was a manual recount. Interesting. I was there. I saw that. That's interesting. Which again, that's very doing a post, manual re- recount, and I can assure you, that's very I post sitting, Brenda Foreman. I was sitting or there. Not Brenda Foreman. Brenda Snipes. Brenda Snipes. I was sitting there for about three hours. I was there for a long time, and let me assure you, ladies and gentlemen, Dale Holness did everything in his power to try to flip those votes. No one here knows who Dale Holness is. Bottom line is, <laughs> Sheila Sherfulis McCormick is in Congress right now. Because, and Dale Holness isn't. And because she is an amazing lady who knew exactly how dangerous the situation could have been. She brought in an ace team to make sure that there was no vote flipping. And quite place. honestly, even though you guys don't know who Dale Holness is, you all should be very thankful to the people down here who were very diligent to make sure that the votes were treated get, properly. Yeah, that he did not get to you should all be very thankful yeah. that the Broward County election process was handled very diligently in that race. Yeah. yeah. And you can Trust only me. hope that that would be the case in all races going forward. And maybe they will. Maybe, you know, Joe Scott's been good. I have, you know, no complaints yeah. there. No. I mean, but as you've often said, it's like when the bar was set so low, just putting Ooh. it even at standard is considered a But major again, win. I still think that a lot of our voting issues are yeah. not having to do with anything that can be supervised in terms of what we're talking about there. Our voting issues have to do with things like people not knowing where their precincts are, like people not being informed when things change, like people going somewhere and it's closed or, or people, you know, like that, or people being like purged from lists for different reasons, whether it's Georgia or wherever, like we have these issues that are way more voter suppression than the actual tabulating. By the time you get to the tabulating of the vote portion of the election, there are a myriad of other things that already occurred to be suppressive. So by the time you get to the vote counting portion, that's just one aspect of it. I well, just, I don't think bring, that's the well, thing. Well, Double K brings up a very good point. The DNC does decide the primary race and has admitted as such. Yep. Nothing more so could ever be more clear than what happened in 2016. And they admit that, yeah, we don't really have to do X, Y, and Z. Well, that's why they have super delegates. Well, we know, but also what Wasserman Schultz was doing, it's a, it, everyone's like, well, Hillary got X amount of votes more than Bernie did. She got three and a half million or whatever it was. And ladies and gentlemen, let me assure you that everything is done. It's, it's like if the primary was fair and balanced, Fox News. If that were the case, and Bernie Sanders had been running against Hillary Clinton for nearly 10 months prior to the first vote being cast in the primary in Iowa, rest assured, there would have been a different outcome in that election. There were things that were done in absolutely audacious fashion. I remember one particular poll that was done in Iowa that suggested 
like two or three months before the election that Hillary Clinton was up by 59 points. Bernie Sanders won Iowa, but somehow lost it due to coin due to coin flips. What you need to understand, the system has been functioning in this capacity for a long time. It's starting to change now because enough people are starting to look at it and say, I don't trust it. I don't believe in it. And the second that starts to happen is the second the establishment better recognize that you have to fix this and fix this now. Because if you don't, you're this, you're this close to revolution. You're this close to full-blown anarchy. Because people don't believe in anything anymore. But Fox News is going to think twice before being very specific. They will. You know, everyone is out there. Jordan. I know. We dig. We dig. And he, and he said he would do it if he had ballot access. So there needs to be a party that he can run on their ticket. I mean, that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. And will but that- yes, we would be extremely enthusiastic. About I think that. I think millions of people oh would be God. enthusiastic about Jesse Ventura. Oh my God! Let me tell you, Jesse's looking at RFK Jr. in the race now and is thinking, "Man, I really have an opportunity to get in this race." And make <laughs> but he won't run as a Democrat. No, he will not. That he won't do. No, that's where the line gets drawn. That because he actually has principles, which again is why we like the idea of him for president. It's amazing how those two. It's ironic. Really. Hey, Seuss, big supporter of the show. We're always glad to see you. Bottom line. This is one issue that I have no doubt can be worked on with Jesse. Maybe he hasn't had the MMT discussion, but will ultimately have that if he's serious about running. But is he somebody that isn't bought and paid for by corporations, wants to get out of the wars, doesn't believe that America should be the world's bully, thinks that everybody's entitled to health care? These are things we can work with. Yeah. And somebody who can't be bought by corporations is a massive, massive, massive thing. I cannot like his concepts on economics is something that would absolutely be worked with, with like a whole bunch of brilliant economy people that know what they're doing and his staff and all this stuff. He is a reasonable person. He is a smart person and he actually has executive office experience. And I, I I find that very useful. (laughs) Friend of the show, Drew Chains. Jesse is the man. Yeah. He is. And here's here. This was actually something that I wanted to talk about. A good friend of ours, who we love dearly, Margaret Kimberly. I do love her. Um, you know, she wrote the book Prejudential to basically talk about all the negatives that every president in history has had. And they've all had negatives. Not just, no, that wasn't the point of the book. Wasn't about all their negatives. The point of the book was to show how every president interacted with race in their presidency. That's fair. That's now, fair. the fact that it was negative, that's on them. That is on them. Okay. But what, what you have to recognize when it comes to leaders, when it comes to the history of our country, we've had 45, now 46, because Grover Cleveland was non-consecutive, but we've had 45 commanders-in-chief in the history of this country. How many of them would you say had a net positive in terms of their overall presidency? Because that's what you're going for, because that's all we can ask for. How many presidents of the 45 that we've had would you say were a tr- the, the pros outweighed the cons? I would say if we're lucky, it's about 10. That's probably about it. Yeah. We've had a lot of really terrible presidents. And quite frankly, the last president we've had that I could truly say had a net positive was probably Jack. He was the last one that if you really weighed what his presidency represented from 61 to 60, the end of 63, almost 64 for those three years. I think you kind of whitewash him. 
I don't know. You really like, I mean, I just feel like. I don't agree. I think okay. he's, I think he was more positive than negative. Okay. He had negatives. There's no question. He was definitely more hawkish than more, more, most people think. But I do think that he represented the type of change that was absolutely necessary. He really laid the foundation in so many ways for what became the two monumental policies of the 1960s, the Civil Rights Act and Medicare. And, and he did and he did die for trying to take out the deep state. He did. And that's that's a when you pretty look, valiant sacrifice. I as, will say. as much as the two signature policies of LBJ's domestic policy. And look, if we're only basing LBJ on domestic policy, he clearly did something very significant in terms of the Civil Rights Act and in terms of Medicare. However, Vietnam is not just one conflict. Vietnam represents the might of the military industrial complex that hasn't died since that. Right. Well, that's been the continuous. We've been continuous since, since then. Nixon, I mean, look, there were positives to his presidency, but there are also significant negatives. And when you add in Watergate, it just pushes it over the line. Gerald Ford, he was in office for two years. There's really not much you can say. And even what you could say is not very good because he was part of the Warren Commission, which said that Oswald acted alone and there were only three bullets shot. We know that's not true. And of course, he pardoned Nixon without Nixon being able to testify to what was really going on with I mean, there were so many. Are you somehow bringing this back to Jesse? I am. Okay. Because you you went on this, like, talking about, like, you know, commander-in-chief experience. And, yeah, I would so prefer Jesse. Jesse Ventura Mm -hmm. represents a president. I'm not saying he's FDR. I'm not saying he's JFK. I'm not saying that he's Teddy, Lincoln, Washington. No. We have our- Closest to Washington nonpartisan. Yes, that's true. Okay. Point being is that Jesse Ventura is a net positive. Oh, for sure. So when everyone's looking at the negatives of Jesse Ventura, and I'm sure there are plenty. Everybody has them. The positives absolutely outweigh the Like by such a, just by based on who he is. And that would be like asking somebody about Bernie Sanders and saying, yes, I'm sure there are negatives attached to Bernie Sanders. He's way too much of the mind that we can tax people into success. And I agree, that's not how it works. The top marginal tax rate, if he was, if Bernie's whole plan in terms of taxation was to re-implement a proven tax system that worked in this nation for multiple generations, that would have landed infinitely more effective than anything that he was proposing in terms of, well, you know, we just have to. Honestly, I can't think of one. And if you say Teddy Roosevelt, I'll be like, well, that was a long time ago. That's probably, yeah, pro- yeah, probably Teddy. Or even FDR. I would give, I don't think FDR was necessarily on. But Teddy, nah, he definitely, but but he he did work. At Teddy, the- Ro- Teddy Roosevelt is, is not only my favorite president, but I believe him to be our best president. That would be the best comparison to me if I'm thinking about Jesse. The biggest difference between Rose- Teddy Roosevelt and and Lincoln was that you're talking about the difference between the pre-industrial revolution and the post-industrial revolution. There were no real titans of industry. Yes, the Vanderbilts did exist when Lincoln was president, but there is nothing, no comparison to what Teddy had to deal with from Rockefeller to Carnegie 
to Morgan to the Vanderbilts to Henry Ford. But I mean, in terms of just not being bought, I Correct. think that's, I, I didn't see that. Look at that comment. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, in terms of not answering the corporate interests, that's the, like, to me, there's nothing more that I want. Like, that is the key thing to having anything. Billy, we will definitely disagree on that one. Not even. I'm not even going to touch that. Jesse Ventura over RFK Jr. any day and twice on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but in terms of... Jesse Ventura is the only person, I think, that would really properly be able to handle a debate with Donald Trump. To be honest with you. Because you're not going to out showman the show. Like, it's like you want to get on the level with a snake oil salesman. You need somebody who's done professional wrestling. I'm sorry, but like that's the, it's like that's, he's the only person that I could see even being able to go toe to toe. That is, uh, Mr. Anime couldn't say it better. That is absolutely true. The second you have to put your hand on the Bible exactly. or the Constitution, the truth comes out. But yeah. It always does. In fact, he, I know that Jesse would love to debate Donald Trump. Love. I would absolutely love to. Debate I know him. he wants to. It would be glorious. It really would. But I don't want to just debate because he Trump. he's not going to get bullied or tripped up by him, and most people seem to. Most people they get flustered. Like he really he, he's not he's not by any means like a talented debater. He's just so absurd that people get flustered dealing with him. Well, I also think that what you have to remember about Jesse is. He he is a throwback. He's not in line. There are there's what the problem that the Democratic Party has more than anything else is that the comfortable suburban and urban liberals are the face and the voice of the party. And the problem with that is they are obsessed with decorum and being practical and being moderate and, and accepting that we're going to just tweak it just a slight bit, little, little, a little a schmeckle. A schme schmeckle. No, not a chocolate schmeckle. It's like schmeckin'. Yes. Schmeckin Can I have a stickle of flora? <laughs> it's like you got to remember that for them and for, for the people, but as I like to say, the Don Winslows and the Deborah Messings of the world, for them, their lives are extremely, extremely affluent and privileged and they do not feel uh, that these things make a significant difference in terms of what can happen to people's day-to-day -day lives if we were to increase the minimum wage, if we were to – the second that, the, that Joe Biden pulled the parliamentarian BS, <laughs> that should have been it. Everyone should have been – we know this is a lie. You are lying. You are lying to the American oh people. God. That, I don't want to hear anything. I always go to my LBJ example. Can you imagine him being held up by a parliamentarian? The parliamentarian would be wearing concrete blocks at the bottom of the ocean. Don't be talking about what LBJ <laughs> used to do when he was in the Senate. All I'm saying remember. is that the, what you're telling me is that the most powerful person in, on earth that we're so worried about who sits in that seat. Metal Can't outmaneuver the parliamentarian. Metalopoly, Jesse Ventura would not run within the two parties. No. no, 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 no. That's the point. The only way that he can run is if another party gets him ballot access. And I love it, enemy. I love it. Come on the show more often, brother. I like this. Yeah, I'm you got really good, really good ish. That now, is I, the I really, Let me tell you, I'm going to imagine that that's you, and you look really fine, my friend. <laughs>
I, I don't think it is, but I'm going to I'm going to think that. that now, is. don't get me wrong. I can also see that the argument being made as to why MTG and Gates did not sign. They up. might not have been asked to. Maybe not. And you don't you don't you never know what the squad. Remember, a lot of times this have. is all political theater. So yeah. you don't know for sure exactly what they're. They might not have been asked to. And that's yeah. and again, I am by no means a supporter of either of those people. Let me tell you something. What's going to be very, very interesting. Jen and I will be in D.C. in two weeks. For the which hasn't event. even been planned yet, by the way. I am now going to be sitting in on that Zoom meeting. I didn't tell you. I reached out to them to find out is there more details about this. Oh no, we we just put it on the calendar because it's World Press Freedom Day. But we're having a Zoom next week, so I'm like, okay, well, so I'm going to be I'm like, hopefully something big will happen because we're going to be there. So Peter and I will be at the Department of Justice on May 3rd at 12 mm-hmm. for International Press Freedom Day. But no, in seriousness, there will be an event. It'll be good. Uh, it'll be good to see who shows up. Will any of the presidential candidates show up? Will Rashida Tlaib be there? That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Because if you really believe in this. Well, class, I actually think that would be, I do think she would show up to that. I yeah. do. If she's there. I don't know when they're where. But like. If, well, it all depends on whether or not they need to. Be. Remember, there are different types of congressional representatives. There are those shopping. that can't wait to get out of D.C. and get home, (coughs) Debbie. Um, There are those who, thank you very much, really appreciate it, Bill. Uh, There are those who want to stay in D.C. and try to get as much done. Quite frankly, a lot of the good bills that can be written up and, and, you know, put on dockets for committee is usually when everybody's out of town. Because you're not competing with everybody else. You're actually there with a few others and maybe get something done. <coughs> Perhaps Rashida is the type of person that would be willing to do so. Well, I actually think that I would like to believe, and again, this is me giving people the benefit of the doubt, that anybody whose name was on that letter would show up if they knew and it was like something that they could make happen. Again, this has not even been a fully planned thing yet. So that's what I'm saying. Like, who knows how. I can't hold people accountable for things they're not aware of. That's my point. I so. support the for, I, I support the Constitution of the United States of America, and if you do too, then you would support Julian Assange. It's really so basic. And I don't even care if you hate his guts. No, it's irrelevant. If you believe in the Constitution, then you would support his uh, prosecution being dropped. Yeah, that's it. That's all there is to it. There is no gray area. No, there is no. And let me tell you something, Jenny Cohen. The fact that who you, is that? She's just Who's that? She's somebody who claims to be an election integrity person, but she's basically a flanky for the Democratic establishment. And so when she's like, I don't trust Assange, I don't I think he's a bad faith actor. Who gives a flying F what the hell you think? Well, he is? this is a problem with a lot of people that are what I call like that liberal group of people. They're very concerned with what how they feel. They're very concerned with their feelings. We don't give a fuck about your feelings. Here's my thoughts. Government, policy, politics, group, whatever, is not about feelings. I don't care about your feelings. Interpersonal relationships, that's your feelings. That's all about your feelings. And what what we do and what policies to support and standing up for things like, you know, the First Amendment, we don't care about your feelings. I don't care what you think. We don't care about your feelings. It's really irrelevant. (laughs) So we have seen... Time and again, what you've always alluded to this idea that the two parties are basically 
they're in it together and that they're given basically assignments, if you will. I think it's like professional wrestling theater. I think that at the end of the day, they are friends. I think that they all serve at the you know behest of the owner class. Um, some of them are actually members of the owner class, but regardless, they all they all serve the same mission. So it would be really stupid <laughs> to not think that they're all in it together. They serve at the same like they serve the same owners. So yeah, I do think that they're all in it together. And I do think that the political theater is that. And there are some people that are standouts. I do think for the most part, the people on the squad are not part of that. I I do think for the most part, the people that claim to be, you know, the non-corporate people um, aren't serving the owner class. I do, but they're not really willing to fight the owner class either. Um, But, oh yeah, no, I, I think they're all on the same page. If you are with the owner class, you're on the same team. <laughs> so I am going to, we are going to show you guys exactly what happened in the Senate chambers as Mitch McConnell oh. made his return to the U.S. Senate floor. Now, why is this significant? Because when Chuck Schumer's in power, he doesn't get anything done. When Mitch McConnell's in power, he seems to get everything he wants done. Oh, yeah. oh and by the way, Mitch McConnell's not in power right now. And he's still and getting. He's still it. acting like he is. He's still getting. Shit and you done. know what? He probably is in charge. Because Lord thing. knows that, Mr. Schumer, Mr. Professor of you know politics at Columbia University or NYU, take your pick, who is masquerading as a U.S. senator, is allowing Mitch McConnell to basically tell the American public, "Oh, you want to actually, you know, appoint judges, but." Diane Feinstein thinks that she could just take a leave of absence. No, 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 no. It's not going to work that way. And that, and, and again, Mitch McConnell's been completely controlling our judicial appointments since he's been in the U.S. Since Senate. He's been there. And I don't think people understand like how serious this is. <laughs> this is, and when we talk about, but but yeah, and here's the thing. So to think that McConnell and Pelosi are not on the same page for what they're working for, just look at how they feel about things with China. You can look at all sorts of stuff. They are all on the same page. So as much as you guys really do not want to hear him talk. I really don't. But this is going to be a five-minute lesson. No, five minutes. For all of you to understand. Well, maybe we'll cut it short. Seriously, make me listen to him. Five minutes. So this is Mitch McConnell. Let me tell you something. And I will give Mitch props for this. I imagine like in my mind. So imagine like a dinner and they're all hanging out and all they're all their friends. And he's like, look, Chuck. You can be the good guy. They already hate me, so I don't mind being the Grim Reaper. It's all good. And then they just buy each other beverages. You know what I mean? Like Chuck Schumer gets to be like the nice guy, come off like the nice kind of grandpa guy. And Mitch McConnell is the Grim Reaper. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's they're all the same. That's what I do think. Yeah. So here we go. Here's who the real, here is the, you know, we often joke about that, you know, Nancy Pelosi's really in charge of the Democratic Party. Here's the guy who's really in charge of the country in many ways, outside of the obviously corporate oligarchs that rule over all of us. But there is no question that this is the guy who calls the shots. That's not good. That's not good. Uh. Mr. President. 
the Republican leader. I want to address an extremely unusual request that our Democratic colleagues obeyed with respect to the Judiciary Committee. Our dear friend, Senator Feinstein, is a titanic figure, a stateswoman. Elaine and I have been honored to count the Senator and her late husband, Dick, as close personal friends for many, many years. We miss our colleague. We wish her the very best for a speedy recovery and a smooth return. <clears throat> In the meantime, our colleague's temporary absence has really not ground the Judiciary Committee to a halt. So far this Congress, the committee has reported out 40 judicial nominees. Listen to this, more than half of them, more than half of them on a bipartisan basis. So let me say that again. More than two dozen judicial nominees have been reported out this Congress on bipartisan votes. There are more than a dozen Article III judges already waiting on the executive calendar. And a whole bunch of the nominees currently in committee are likely to receive bipartisan support as well. So the administration does not face any obstacle to moving nominees who are remotely qualified for the job. People who are mainstream and qualified have a path forward. And yet some of the same far left voices who've attacked Senator Feinstein in the past are now suggesting that the Senate move her off the Judiciary Committee indefinitely. Indefinitely. The stated reason, the supposed emergency, is that Senate Democrats are unable to push through the small fraction of their nominees who are so extreme, so extreme, and so unqualified that they cannot win a single Republican vote in committee. So let me say it again. The far left wants the full Senate to move a senator off a committee so they can ram through a small sliver of their nominees who are especially extreme or especially unqualified. There are four main nominees that our Democratic colleagues are currently unable to move. One of them threatened an underage abuse victim while representing her prep school. One of them didn't know what Article II of the Constitution says. One of them didn't know what a Brady motion is. And the fourth one argued that the sex offender registry, listen to this, does not help keep children safe. Those are the four they're having a hard time moving. They're not on track to get bipartisan support. It's purely the Democratic political choice to hold the relatively more reasonable nominees hostage so the unqualified ones can move in a pack. <clears throat> 
All you need to know is That's that more than anything else, Dianne Feinstein has no business whatsoever in the U.S. Senate. She should have been gone at least one term ago. At least. Probably two. Yeah. And the fact that she is refusing to resign so they can hold a nominating process or even a special election ahead of schedule shows you that this is all kabuki theater. This is all a joke. And if you think for one second that anything will ever slip by McConnell, you know, I didn't think about it until this moment, but I just realized what the real difference is between McConnell and Schumer. McConnell knows the law and the rules inside and out 10 times over better than Schumer does. He knows exactly how to use them and knows exactly how to block the Democrats from ever getting anything. And do I think it's likely that the judges that he's talking about are unreasonable? No, they're probably fairly reasonable. But and the fact that that anybody like him would talk about judges being unqualified mm. to me is hilarious. Considering the two Supreme Court judges that you put on the court. Oh, my God. You've got no leg to stand on, buddy. Amy Coney Island couldn't name the five freedoms granted in the First Amendment. Brett Kavanaugh's no. never tried. Yeah, those not qualified. Just saying. Again, I don't care about the guy who cries about how much he likes beer and how he may or may not have been at a party where a girl was sexually assaulted. I, he was, he, he just, that man disqualified himself the minute that he was sitting in that hearing and acting like a belligerent fool. Love you, double kid. That's when he disqualified himself. And it had nothing to do with whether or not what he was accused of was or was not true. It was how he responded to it, how he acted and how he carried himself was completely non, disqualified him in, in my opinion for any bench. I don't want somebody erratic, angry, and belligerent that can't handle themselves in a hearing being a judge. That's the, the judges should not be that way. That's just not how they should be. And actually I have clerked for a federal judge. She was brilliant. She was amazing. I I actually think she was probably pretty conservative, but the fact that I don't really know is because she was brilliant and amazing and very, very qualified and took her job very seriously. And people like her should not be in the same universe as people like Brett Kavanaugh. That is also why the judiciary was, was specifically written in the Constitution to be nonpartisan. That is what they're supposed to be. And my ju- my judge, actually, one of her biggest, she loved Scalia. She had a picture of herself in Scalia. And you would think that that yeah. would be like we, like a problem. And how she would no, smart as, they used to say she was as smart as a, a tree of owls. She was just amazing. And I, you wouldn't know anything about her politically. That's a good judge. Now, what I would say, um, I'm, I'm going to say two things. What you have to remember regarding, and guys, if you feel like contributing and you do not want to do it through uh, uh, through the super chat, you can go to cash app, uh, dollar sign gen change. We would really appreciate any contribution yeah. you want to make. We are, and just for people who don't know, we mm-hmm. are a nonprofit service organization. Mm-hmm. We do, our money goes to helping and serving and doing things. We do a lot of it locally here down in South Florida, Correct. but we also contribute when there's other things. We most recently was a donation to somebody in East Palestine and we're small, but we, we give where we can. Oh, we right. are a nonprofit. Yeah. Um, so it, unfortunately it's not a tax write-off because we're a C4 because we do make political endorsements. If you are so inclined, pay 
patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as five dollars a month you could become a patron of our channel you do get the lulu sticker as an intro but if you're feeling a little extra contributable of this time we would ten dollars a month we'll get you both of these stickers right now you get the mansion parliamentarian bumper sticker now why is this significant because this is who we are now especially after the disaster of ron DeSantis and his six-week abortion ban bill this is now more convinced than ever that mansion parliamentarian is the best ticket we can hope for in 20 now who is the parliamentarian we We don't don't know. know doesn't matter just pick them that's it mansion parliamentarian for 24 that's our path if any of you watch Status Quo News with our good friend Jordan Charity, we will see underneath the United Corporations of America. Flag. He has one of those. One. So, guys, if, if you're, you're new, a little, and if you're feeling oh, okay. most generous, you get the Gen Change jersey for twenty five dollars a month. You will get the Gen Change silky jersey. smooth tri blend Gen Change baseball jersey. You know, and just I just happen to have give people here. an idea of what we give away. Like so, we always do. We do hygiene packs, and these are for like we Peter delivered a bunch of them to um, after the hurricane. Thank you, Rob. Uh, thank you so much. Um, in Naples, when they had that, right, the recent hurricane, Fort Myers, Naples, and you brought over a bunch of these because we have these. I they're, they're just in my car. I give them out. But, like, that's the kind of stuff that, that we spend money on and helping local, like, organizations do community gardens, but very hands-on stuff. And the point of it all is that when you look at these the constant, like, if we just elect one more person, if we just get this uh, person on the judiciary, if Joe only had so much more help, let me tell you something. If the Democratic Party establishment really wanted Dianne Feinstein out of the U.S. Senate, she would have been gone a long time ago. They would have asked her to retire. They would have told her the reasons. They would have set it up. So that way, when she ran for re-election a few years ago, she would not have gotten all of that sweet, sweet California, Silicon Valley and L.A. money. That is what allowed her to stay in the Senate at 88 years old and will be 90. Can we be clear, though, that it isn't an age thing as much as that she has mentally been checked out and it has been known that that is the case for at least a decade? It's been a long time. And that it's just sort of been hush hush, but yet they know that she's just mentally not there. And it's like, that's not okay. That's not okay. Look, the GOP did it with Strom Thurmond. Yes. Um, This is, again, all this that happens. Don't think think the GOP is the only one who's got those kind of racists. Remember Paul Byrd on the Democratic side? they, They didn't let him check out forever. They let him stay in West Virginia for as long as he wanted. And that's how this works. And it's been this way for a long time until people start demanding that it doesn't work this way. I had a conversation at a networking event earlier today about why is it, someone was asking, like, why are things like this? And this is a successful person who lives in, in uh, an affluent suburb of the area. And why are things in. like, why is it so bad? And I said, more than any other reason, it's because most people are just not involved. They don't even focus on their local. They don't vote. They're not involved the way that they Most they. people can't afford to do so. Most people are struggling to live, working three jobs, trying to keep food on the table, don't have health care, and are worried about their kids' education that they can't afford. And they don't have time to be involved in the electoral process. And all of that is very much by design. So that's why most people aren't involved. But most people just can't afford to be involved. But here's the problem that, that people are not recognizing regarding Feinstein, is that she's basically incapacitated at this point. She's not physically able to be on Capitol Hill. And yet she says she's going to come back. She says she's going to come back in a few months. Please spare us. At that point, once you get to a few months, and let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, 
the worst time when it comes to the U.S. Senate or when it just comes to Congress in general is in the summer. That's when nothing gets done. They are literally checked out for at least two months. You know, so you're talking about maybe if you're lucky getting Feinstein back in doing her job. That's if that's if she's even capable in the fall. But she hasn't been capable for years. So I think that this is absurd. But what's so sad about it to me, and I think that more and more, this is what I think about these things, is that Dianne Feinstein really, from where she started, was, was, it was amazing. You know what I mean? Like her and Barbara Boxer, the first two female senator represented state, like she was one of those real trailblazers. And I had a lot of respect for her. And this is what when I start telling you things like, yeah, I don't see myself being old. I'm Seinfelding this life (laughs) because when she is no longer in the Senate, unfortunately, her legacy is going to be the past 10 years and not the 20 prior. Like, I just think like, this is how, like, now I'm going to be thinking about Dianne Feinstein and it's really unfortunate. And this happens to a lot of people, you know, this happens to a lot of people. They just cannot, they don't know when to get out. And now the one thing that Double K did bring up that I do think is something worth noting is that one of the things that I do not think really gets talked about enough is how much the consultant industrial complex is a huge problem in politics. And there are a lot of people, especially with all due respect, because there's many issues on the GOP side, but there is a cottage industry on the Democratic side when it comes to government jobs and people's ability to have these jobs that are in the public sector, not the private sector, where somebody like Feinstein a U.S. senator from California who has been employing a certain amount of people for a very long time, and they want to keep these jobs for as long as humanly possible. It is very possible, whether it is Katie Porter or Barbara Lee, either one of them, we hope it is both of them, but it's very likely it's going to be one or the other that's going to go up against Adam Schiff in the general election. And the question is going to become... How is that going to unfold? Well, I definitely would agree. I prefer either of them to Adam Schiff. Well, of course. Who would? Right? So, right. Like, as to, you know. Anybody with a dose of common sense would say that. But, gee, thank you for that high praise. Will it happen? Who knows? Uh, But they're they're all in it together. That's the thing. It's it's really, it's amazing. You got to stop falling for the whole party line thing. It's really a scam. Because once you take it out of the equation, it really changes everything. And then one yeah, thing, imagine you know, if there were no parties. When people were talking, as you were just alluding to, and another person that I did speak with at the event tonight, uh, a very nice lady who is over a certain age, which falls in directly with the uh, Debbie demographic, very lovely, uh, seems to have a really like populist bona fides, labor person, can't understand so many of Debbie's votes, but was like, but I love Debbie. I knew her when she was- You, you like, met another one of those people? You you could, you could would get her if you ran again, but this is one of those so people funny. who's like, but I remember when Debbie was 20 years old and I said specifically to her, I said, and you talk like a significant portion of Debbie's voters, which is, I remember when she was running for the state house and she was pushing her stroller with her babes. And it's like the Debbie of 30 years ago is not the Debbie of today. The Diane Feinstein 
of 30 years ago is not the Diane Feinstein of today. And there are a lot of people who simply can't get that in their head. Again, a lot of lessons to be learned from Seinfeld here, people. A lot of very profound lessons to be learned from, you know, the whole Seinfeld versus jumping the shark. And I think that a lot of these people, it's just they cannot let go of the reins of power. They don't mentor. They don't pass the baton. They don't have any interest in doing anything. They just like to sit there and make them and themselves and their friends richer. So that's what it is. And yeah, I understand that her office staff would obviously have to find new employment, but that happens every time I Con, uh, somebody gets elected and or loses it. A- and I mean, I definitely agree. I don't trust Newsom as far as I could throw him. Oh. He's, I mean, he's Nancy Pelosi's nephew. That's all you need to know. And let me tell you, if that, when, not if, when Gavin Newsom runs for president, anyone with a brain is going to attach Nancy Pelosi's nephew to him literally on his ass all day, every day. I know I would be doing it. If I was, if I was consulting a campaign in terms of how to go after him, I would do that all day. every day. Here's what I'm going to say about that. Don't name the food. Doesn't matter. Let them all run. It doesn't matter. It could be Gavin Newsom. It could be RFK Jr. It could be Mayo Pete. It could be whoever it is. And remember for a lot of these guys that this is all temporary in so many ways, because right now, whether it is Katie Porter or Barbara Lee or Adam Schiff, unfortunately, well, not, well, listen, two out of three would be acceptable. Adam Schiff would not be even though what you hope for is that over the course of this primary, however which way it ends, that either Katie Porter or Barbara Lee are going to support whoever whoever makes it to the general. One would hope. You would hope. One would hope. I am skeptical if that will happen, yeah. because I do think that the establishment is going to do everything in their power to try to get Adam Schiff into the Senate. Katie Porter, to me, is the one who's best suited for the upper chamber. That's just my opinion. I have nothing against Barbara Lee. I think that there are decisions that she has made over time that I really do not agree with. Barbara Lee supported Bernie uh, after she supported Kamala. Uh, Katie Porter supported Elizabeth Warren. Barbara Lee didn't support the war in Iraq. That is true. She did not. Katie Porter very likely wouldn't have either. No, that's true. She wasn't there. I'm honest. just saying. I'm saying that there were there have been good Barbara Lee moments. That's I what do, I'm saying. I, but ultimately, I do think whether it is Barbara Lee or Katie Porter, you're going to be in good shape in terms of getting one of them to the upper chamber. Uh, Obviously, the big difference between Katie Porter and Barbara Lee, most, you know, most obvious is the fact that Katie Porter is 20 years younger than Barbara Lee. And that does matter. Yeah. I mean, you know, so we're we have to take those things into consideration. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. But again, more than likely. They are going to do everything in their power to try to get Adam Schiff to the upper chamber. And that is something we desperately don't need. No. Especially in a state like California. No. So let's hope that they get their act together. Listen, if you could blow something as badly as the Democratic progressives did in New York City with Yuli New not being able to rally people behind her, not being able to, listen, you want to call it backroom deals, you want to call it engaging in conversation, you want to call it you know, doing what you have to do to get the deal. That around. race really gets under your skin. You bring it up. The idea that you Dan, well, race. Dan, Dan Goldman is so bad. He is so bad. Okay, so, and also, the whole thing, I felt like, was just, she is so, like, would be, she's so much more worthy than how that all went down for her. Right. You know, like, yeah, I, I find that race particularly annoying as well. 
that you you bring it up a bit about her. Plus, she was she's so good. She is. She's a really good she person. Would be a really good representative. Yes. And the same is true that you're looking at right now with the slugs, if you will, that get thrown in by the Democratic establishment to have stopped Melanie Dorigo. You think Melanie Dorigo would have lost to George Santos in the general? <laughs> it's like, come on. You have to see the scam. That's why the primary is so devastatingly important, more so than the general. You are, If you put the best candidate forward when everyone starts to recognize what's going on here, it's like we talked about with John Nichols last week. If Bernie Sanders was the nominee, there's no question that he would have been the president in 2016. I hope you're right. Because Bernie would not have lost Wisconsin to Donald Trump. And that alone That's huge. would have swung <clears throat> the election. It would have taken more than Wisconsin, but I'm confident that Bernie would have made enough of an impact. It only would have taken, frankly, it only would have taken, uh, I no, it would have taken two states, but whether it was Pennsylvania, Michigan. Those would have all been up for grabs for Bernie. If Bernie won yeah. Michigan and he won Wisconsin, Trump won over 300 electoral votes. It's amazing how history changed so And, and wait till it happens again. They're going to try it. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, Guys, play nice in the chat. I Everybody's love, entitled to their opinions, I even when love, they're wrong. I agree with you. I would <clears> love <throat> to see yeah. if, the, if all the progressives rally behind you and you, yeah. then it's... That would be a helpful. Chance. The problem and, is, is that Dan Goldman is now an incumbent and he has unlimited money. Yeah. So, but, but I just feel like she is a true people powered person. She is. She is a real people powered person. And again, when you do live in a district like New York, you have a really good advantage as far as canvassing. And if you are AOC and you know that race is going on, are you going to sit it out and just pretend like there I, isn't a significant difference between Dan Goldman and Yuli New? That you are just going to never, ever step out of line? That you are just always going to play it You know what, though? Let's say, when, if and when this comes up, all right, and it's if and when that becomes a thing, we will call that out. But we don't need to call it out if it hasn't happened. Fair enough. Last thing we will talk about tonight before we go. Uh, we did, I, I did initially put it in the banner um, as, a, as a talking point. We didn't get a chance to talk about it tonight because Danny Scherzer, unfortunately, did not show up. It is what it is. Uh, but we do have a great show. We have two great shows coming up. Yeah, guys, we really do. Net on Monday, we are going to have the Red, the leader yeah. of the Red Berets, Lauren Fielding, is going to come on. Oh, wait. And we are going to be part of a panel. Why don't you tell me when you're going to bring sorry. this up? I have props. So Thank you, Fran. We are going to be talking to Laura, Scott DeSoyners, and the producer of their film, uh, I watched it, by the way. Healing Us. Yeah, I watched a, it. It's, it's a, great. It's an 80-minute documentary. <clears throat> it's really powerful. Uh, the standout performance to me is Wendell Potter, but it always is. Because and I really, he, Amy was very, very um, impactful. Just felt, yeah, it's, well, and I, you know, you can I, feel it. Yeah, and I know her, and it was still really, yeah. Yeah. But guys, it's, I, I was, so you can't watch, we got a link because we're having them on the show. So it isn't something you guys can watch yet. Leroy, I got to tell you, I don't mean to be an overwoke person, but it's more woke, not woke-er. Just, I'm just throwing that out there. It's more woke and most woke. It's not woke-er or woke-ist. That doesn't work. I'm woke 
No, this is because it was a gift that someone it's made for me. It's not pink, it's red. If it oh, was yeah. pink, then you should. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I don't have a vagina hat. This is the red beret, right. and Fran Fran in, in Washington made it for me when I was running for Congress and sent it to me, and mm -hmm. so I love that. Yeah. So this is a personal thing. No, it isn't about, oh, I'm woke. And I just feel like the Red Beret ladies and the whole Washington people, which to me, there's definitely an overlap between those groups, but uh, they've just always been really good to me. So therefore, I like them. It's not really about woke. What has been talked about at great length is the fact, and, and then of course, I'm sorry, uh, also on Wednesday, we are going to have a really powerful local activist who just moved here from New York, uh, McCarty Jackson. Uh, she is a, you'll, you'll hear. Yeah, you guys, she's awesome. She is. Oh, I'd love to get, what if we could get Mo on? Mo yes. wants to meet her, but I don't know if Mo's want to be up for a thing. Okay, but anyway, fair enough. So, um, but uh, Bacardi Jackson was this, I am a member of League of Women Voters and she was this year's speaker at our um, spring lunch. And she was just amazing. She is, um, I don't know what her title is. Forgive me. She's an attorney. She's with the Southern Poverty Law Center, and she does the juvenile justice um, component, um, really focusing on like the school to prison pipeline and that aspect. Um, but she's extremely cool, very, very smart, and very woke. But, but um, j no, I'm joking with you people. But she's just very cool, and no, I, I really, no, really, she, she's woke. But she's a woke person that I like. She's woke, but she's a woke person that comes from when she was talking at what's so powerful from her is like her grandmother's like remembers her grandmother and grandfather were sharecroppers. Mm -hmm. Like, so she does, her history is very rich and interesting and her perspective is very cool. And she is like a total justice warrior. So I did not, a, not a social justice warrior, an actual justice warrior. Mm -hmm. She's a, not, she's a real, she's a real, or as our friend, even though some people don't like him, Sean Fitzgerald, wink, she is an actual justice, justice warrior. Yeah, so she fights for kids to Congrats. help that to not get sucked into the system. But anyway, like my friend Mo. We cannot, <clears throat> we cannot overstate how important what John Fetterman has said regarding the mental health crisis and okay. depression. I haven't really followed it. And I know that he's just had a lot of issues. Didn't he just have health issues, like physical health he issues? He checked himself into rehab for, I think, two weeks. And I heard so many people, including some people in the chat, who were trying to basically say that he was brain dead or, or something to that effect. All I can tell you is the idea that he is even willing to talk about the fact that we have a serious mental health crisis in this country. And you would think, because on the one hand, the political right is correct. The one thing that the political left gets dead wrong about guns is that you're really not taking into account just how mentally effed in the head so much of this country is. And how economic anxiety puts people in this position. But can we, can we please separate because I don't want to upset people because there is definitely a difference between like people that have organic mental illness and people that are just desperate, pushed over the edge, have um, things like PTSD, different types of depression, anxiety. And we think all of that, we're not saying that people who have actual mental illness are the people that are committing crimes because I don't like blaming the mental 
you know, like the mental illness community. There are people that have all sorts of mental, you know, issues that they deal with that are not violent people. So I don't like the equation of, oh, well, somebody who has um, schizophrenia or someone who's bipolar or someone who, whatever it is, that's not the kind of thing that we're talking about when we're talking about this. Those, those are not people that we're, t- we're talking about people that are just pushed to the edge of life. And where so many people are so close to that. That's what we're talking about. Okay. And how so many people, and that's where you start seeing things like a lot of addiction and a lot of issues like that. That I think is what we're talking about more so than people that have specific mental illnesses. I just think we need to. And, and, and let's be, and let's be honest. So this is where Drew Chains is absolutely correct. Uh, the other side of John Fetterman was Dr. Oz. Like to even suggest that he was suitable for the U.S. Senate when John Fetterman was the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. It's not like he was some nobody that came out of nowhere. Dr. Oz was a Oprah creation who lived in New Jersey. Don't get me started on Oprah creations. Mm. I, didn't I say think everybody that. should beware of Oprah creations in the political arena. That's what I think. I think that because then what you're really doing is you're saying somebody that's a TV person or a celebrity or a personality, a la somebody like Trump, is necessarily somebody suitable for that kind of public office. The most important thing to remember, even though, look, I've heard Fetterman give speech. I know that the stroke has affected him without question. But does that mean that he can't function cognitively? Of course he can. He may be a step slower and has to work a little harder to form his sentences. But you know what you look like when you go after somebody like Fetterman? You look like somebody who hates on the disabled. And that's effed up. Well, and that goes to, you know, something we were talking about before when I was talking about RFK's voice. And it was posted that he has that... Um, so whatever it was, some sort of dysphagia, yeah. something, something. Um, yeah, as long as Fetterman's brain is working and his cognitive reasoning abilities to understand things and make decisions is working, then the language portion is something that we need to recognize is could be difficult. I, I you know, I mean, that doesn't bother me. Diane Feinstein being mentally checked out for years, that bothers me. Off rail? Yes. But again, Woodrow Wilson had a near fatal stroke and ultimately died shortly after his presidency concluded. Now, you want to go along with the very famous conspiracy that he actually died in office and no one actually knew about it? It's possible. But you're talking over 100 like the movie years Dave. ago. Yeah, you're talking like over 100 years ago. I love that movie. Do you believe that all presidents have body doubles or some to some form of... Another. I don't know. I don't know. I, that's something that if it were true, it wouldn't like shock me, but I'm not like, that's not something I spent, but, but I did love Dave and I, I love that movie. I love that movie. And I loved Charles Grodin particularly. Well, Charles movie. Grodin is the master of the slow burn. I just, I, I loved him in that movie. And I, well, I did. And I, favorite, I love Kevin Klein. Well, I, I love that movie. My favorite Charles Grodin movie by far is Midnight Moon. And that was great. Yeah. If you're, if you want to see, the best of Charles Grodin's comedy, him in Midnight Run, in Dave, and even as stupid a movie as it was, remember Clifford? 
I didn't, just, you know what? I hated that movie because there, it was so annoying. There's a scene in Clifford that is so funny because Grodin's it's great. strictly Grodin grilling the shit out of Martin Short. Can't you just act like a normal boy? Do you have any, like a scene like that? I wonder how long that took them to get through without cracking up. Like Apparently, I can't it even take them along. It didn't, it, no, because when you're masters of your craft, you just not. I don't know. I don't know how they could keep a straight face. But do you remember, like when we would see like the Seinfeld outtakes? Sometimes these people can't keep. Well, a that's face. because Jerry's terrible. Like he's just terrible. He cannot keep a straight face. No, it was. It's no, also when you're talking does. about Jerry Stiller and Julia Louis Dreyfus. What the hell does that? Mean? <laughs> she could not keep it you're together. Saying, you want a piece of me? <laughs> you want a piece <laughs> of me? You got it! That was so freaking funny. Yeah. I love that outtake. But you see how fat, like, we just get off the track. So Fetterman, has he made a statement about where he's, like, what has been the situation? Like, I'm not understanding what you're saying is he's, his statement. He's basically saying that we have a mental health crisis in this country. Clearly. And that we are not properly addressing it. And that depression and stress and dealing with all of this is he not, saying that that was like a source of a stroke or is he saying that he has that after having it? Like I'm, after I'm having everything, he went into depression. Okay, that's depression, what I'm saying. I'm trying to understand and the connection. As, and as a, but as a result, you know, you got to remember Fetterman literally can't, Fetterman became a U.S. Senator in many ways, strictly because of how popular he is in Pennsylvania. It didn't matter. The, the overwoke crap, the people who were going after him because of the gun incident that took place over a decade ago, the, 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 the way that they treated him in Philadelphia was unbelievable, but he was uber popular and he was uber popular where you need to be in Pennsylvania in order to win the state. And he's going to be there for a while and good for him because he's not bought and paid for by corporate power. Yeah. And that's why they <laughs> want him out. That more than any other reason. Do I agree with how we handled the question about fracking? No. Fracking the biggest state in you in, in the in the United States for fracking, believe it or not, is Pennsylvania. And those are his constituents. Yeah. Those are his people. That's it's. And again, I don't agree with the position either. But it's it's like when people will go after Bernie for not being harder on yeah. the you know gun issue. Where I'm like, you know, he's a represent. He's a senator from Vermont, and they're they are they hunting. love their guns. They in do. Vermont. They do. They are hunting enthusiasts. The only reason Vermont is a blue state is Bernie Sanders. That's it. It really is. That has been a reliable red state for generation after generation after generation. They like their guns. The only time that that state started to turn blue was when Bernie Sanders got to the Congress. That's it. Before then, in the days of- Other than Burlington. Because Burlington, it was always like this very like blue bastion. Yes. They had their, you know, pride. But and they Bernie had their... took Burlington statewide and yeah. worked. That was, Vermont is the only state, uh, and Maine, the only two states that never voted for FDR. That should tell you all you need to know about what rural america is really like yeah they're Even not there. blue they're not like they're really independent they are they're very independent the only reason vermont is any different than new hampshire is because of bernie sanders yeah that's it yeah they are yeah so rest assured honesty and integrity whether you agree with them 100 percent in politics will never win the day it will always matter as to whether or not the person is fighting on your behalf John Fetterman yeah. is fighting on behalf of working people. For sure. And that scares the living shit out of the upper chamber because they really hold the cards. Moving stuff in the House ultimately just comes down to party. There's no real working people in there. 
in well, the Senate? Yeah, like who? Uh, he's the only one, that's really. That's why Katie Porter or even Barbara Lee, if they were to get there, that would be, be significant. That would be good. First, just having a woman there is a big deal because there's very few of them. But the fact that they would not be bought and paid for by corporate power would be a huge thing. Yeah, there, should be, there should be a complete backlash against that. So now power. there's three. So you've got Fetterman, Bernie, and Paul. That would be big. Yeah. Get another one in there. Little by little, you start. I'm telling you, it's not that complicated. Right. Stop nitpicking on every little policy mm-hmm. position they have. That's really, it's not the point. No one person is getting in there and making everything happen that they think is the right thing. And a lot of people will, are willing to listen to reason. So stop worrying about everybody's position on every little single thing. That's not important. What's important is, is this somebody who's working for regular people and fighting for things that are fair and just, or is this somebody that's a corporate tool that is just going in there to keep the status quo, to keep making the rich richer? That's what matters because otherwise we're going nowhere. When people are constantly talking about the gun debate, but they are not talking about the most important part of the gun debate, which is why did they pick up the gun? If you're not going to ask that question, and consider how frequent it's become, then you don't actually give a shit. The only thing that matters to you, whoever is fighting the gun debate strictly on, I need to take guns away and take away AR-15s or God knows what, that is about your personal safety. That is all you can. And I don't blame people for caring about their personal safety. But if you think that you're ever solving the problem without identifying the core reason why people pick up guns in this country and kill people is because they have given up, that their situation is so unattainable at this point that they just don't effing care anymore. And you know what the number one cause of death with guns are, right? It's suicide. That's the number one reason. Yeah, and by the way, it's handguns. And so when somebody ultimately decides that they're not going to just kill themselves, remember. But the people that are all the the gun control people that we're talking about when you're like banning assault weapons and those people, um, the, the kind of, they're, they're not concerned with the travesty of vulnerable people killing themselves. No, like that's not something it, that's of concern to the them. The reason why Parkland and Sandy Hook were such significant touchstone moments in this country, one Sandy Hook specifically because it was kids, babies, and because Parkland was kids, but these were affluent suburban communities. And that's why it was as significant <clears throat> as it was. Little kids are killed all over this country all the time in places you'll never hear about. Why? Because they don't have money and they don't have influence. But the places that have money and influence, oh, if anything bad happens there, oh, you're going to hear about well, it. Well, and it because it happens a whole bunch at one time versus in certain neighborhoods, you'll have a kid dying at, at a school weekly by gun violence. Let me tell you a little something, ladies and gentlemen, about Parkland, Florida, and the neighbor and the town, the community that is just about five to seven miles to the east of it called Pompano, Florida. Let me assure you, the type of gun violence that goes on in that community, you cannot and will not ever be able to measure it. Yes, what happened in Parkland was an absolute tragedy. But to ignore the reason that these things happen has everything to do with the fact that our system's broken, people are desperate, and they don't give a flying F anymore. Just as we said at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of people took a chance on Trump the first time because they didn't know what they were getting and they were just willing to say, F it, let's just throw caution to the wind. Well, and I have, I kind of have, uh, it's a, it's like a Band-Aid thing. I, I have yeah. to just rip it off. Just, 
Let's do the it. The fact that Trump could win again, knowing everything we know, knowing where this country is going, and it's slipping fast, it should absolutely scare the living crap out of everybody. I don't understand that. What am I missing? Who cares? Well, no, but he's somebody who was like participating oh. in our conversation. Oh, that's why I don't well, understand. Well, what that rumble. If you eat rumble light and first, no, we're on rumble. You get some time. We post clips on rumble. Okay, I don't know. But as I but as I was saying, uh, yeah, get sh- get shot ringing doorbells. Yeah, that's how sick this country's gotten. This is sick. Yeah. And speaking of which, tomorrow night on the Gen Z report, that is their chosen topic for this week. So we're going to get the Gen Z sort of perception on how this has been affecting them. This is the generation that has grown up with active shooter drills in their schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to think that that's not affecting them is just completely about, ridiculous to think that it's not affecting la- them. Yeah. Last thought. Think about the mental health crisis that comes from being attached to this shit all day, every day, and the parents who put this in their kids' hands when their brains are developing at a very vulnerable and, well, age. Well, at this point, it's just like the expectation. But right. but what I'm talking about is these kids all are having this sort of generational trauma from these active shooter drills and all this stuff. And how's that going to go down the road? Do you think that that's going to create a bunch of peaceniks? Do you, do you think that that's going to have like a real, like, it's just, all of this is not being done in the best possible way. And uh, obviously everybody has varying interests, but tomorrow night on the Gen Z report, they're going to be addressing the more recent stories of what we were just talking about. Somebody at the wrong place. There was a girl, uh, a white woman that just got killed in a car. Some guy pulled out a gun and shot them from his driveway. Um, There's been a lot of stuff lately. And I think that um, it'll be interesting to hear what they all have to say about it. So that's on the Gen Z report tomorrow night, guys, nine o'clock. Smash the like button. Subscribe if you haven't. Make sure that you share everywhere. We are very grateful for each and every one of you. We are very grateful for everyone who contributed to the show tonight. Double K, always coming in hot. You are so, so wonderful. Of course, big dumb animal. We really appreciate it. (laughs) You just, I like to just say that. And Bill Howen, welcome to the show. Another, you see, Metalopoly, you're not alone now. You got another Republican buddy in the chat with you who is going to be here and is going to really be part of our wonderful community. We are small but mighty, but growing strong by the day. And we do, and honestly, this is the first time that we haven't had a guest. And it, and he, you know what? Sometimes people don't show up. It does happen. It's not ideal, but sometimes when we do live, when you do live shows, that's the risk that sometimes happens. But normally if you're new, we do get really good guests. We have some great guests coming up. We have some great authors that we're going to be having on, um, talking about their books. Um, and yeah, so we normally have really good guests. It took a little while, but I think we got into a good groove tonight. Once you know, we kind of just like, (laughs) did we cover all the stories you wanted to cover? Yeah, we did actually. I think we got them all. We did a good job. Um, we, we did a good job. You want your? It's like I feel like you want a reward. <laughs> you want a reward. With that said, we appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Tune in for the Gen Z report tomorrow night at nine o'clock. The topic will be about the Second Amendment, and we will see you Monday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.